eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prey, Merrick Scope, and Jared Mack uh, on the show, picking this week's games across the conference and also diving into some discussion of other games to note um, that could impact the Oregon Ducks. And it's starting to get whittled down a little bit for what could impact Oregon here. Um, but an update on the standings from this past week. Uh, good day for Eric, who went 4-2 and two straight up. The only one of us uh, to have a winning record. He is 3-3 three and three against the spread. Uh, I went 3-3 three and three straight up, but went goose egg against the spread 0-6. Oh so, fade my picks, apparently. Uh, and then Jared, 2-4 and four straight up, 1-5 and five against the spread. Um, fade Eric. my picks too. <laughs> Every, I just fade all of ours, honestly. Yeah. Why listen to this? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> You're well not supposed right. to say that at the beginning of a podcast. Sorry. Well, everybody. <laughs> Tune out. Uh, but we, we've got some games this week. Um, it's another slate where there's some real clunkers, and then there are some games that are really important across the conference and who's going to decide uh, Pac-12 championship race and, and what have you. And Friday night is when it starts, uh, 7.30 kickoff in Palo Alto. Uh, Utah, who's 5-3, and three, goes on the road to Stanford, who's 3-5. and five. This game is on FS1. First place Utes uh, against last place Stanford. Um Utah is a seven and a half point favorite. And I believe if Utah wins this game, I think they clinch the Pac 12 South no matter what happens the rest of the way, which is kind of crazy um, to think about considering Utah has a loss in, in the conference already. So it's not like they've just steamrolled everybody, but. That's how jumbled the Pac-12 South is. Tanner McKee um, is questionable to play in this game. Uh, apparently, he was hurt at some point in the game against Washington the previous weekend. Um, by the way, Eric brought this up like in our private chat. Like David Shaw, like legitimately lost the game for Stanford last weekend by calling timeouts. It didn't make any yeah. sense. Um, Stanford should be four and four and not three and five um, right now. But here we are. And I, I just don't think the Stanford team is good. I kind of felt like they eventually would maybe find their stride. Um, they're just, they're just not good. 
And I don't think Utah is an elite team, but I think they're better than Stanford. And I, I think they're going to go into Palo Alto. They're going to become bowl eligible. They're going to wrap up the Pac-12 South championship. And, and they're going to win this game in true Utah fashion. It's, it's going to, to be ugly, but it's going to be a 30-16 to 16 victory for, for Utah. The funny thing with Utah talking about their schedule is – or Stanford, I should say, is you said they could be four and four. They could be, they should, probably should be two and six because the game with Oregon was really yes. one they should not have won. And honestly, you look at what's happened since that game against Oregon, and it's been a disaster for David Shaw and company. They just haven't been competitive. I shouldn't say they've been competitive. They've been competitive in most of these games. They haven't won. Their scores in the losses they've had of, of late, they've scored 10 points, 31 points, and 13 points. The offense has not been good. Matt mentions the McKee factor, which is significant. Um, not a, I, I mean, Jack West has played before, but he's not played very well. And there was a reason they made a change after the first game or in the middle of the first game with Kansas State. Um, Utah, meanwhile, has won three or four uh, against Stanford in this series since joining the Pac-12. I was actually surprised. Utah is 2-0 and at Stanford since they joined in 2011. So they've been, even the – History here sides with the Utes. I'll go Utah to win 37 to 20. The significance being 37 points is the average in four Utah wins in Pac-12 play, and the 20 points is the average Stanford has had in four losses in Pac-12 play. So I'm going Utes to cover. This game feels like an obvious two teams going in opposite directions. Yes. Stanford is one in four in their last five a win versus Oregon, which is nice. And Utah is four and one. Um and the, the, the amount of, t- of players that are questionable for Stanford is, is getting bad. Here are the players that are questionable for this weekend. Tanner McKee, John Humphreys, and Elijah Higgins are all questionable. Casey Filkins and tight end Lucas Unger are out. That is, if you've watched Stanford this year, that is almost all of their offense. John Humphreys and Elijah Higgins are their two best wide receivers, and obviously Tanner McKee is their best quarterback. They, they, uh, they lost Tremaine against Oregon, by the way, for the season. Right. Another big right. receiver. So they are, they're hurting. Uh, they've been hurting for a while now. It was mostly on defense, actually. But I don't know. If, if, if some of those guys can't play, and especially if Tanner McKee can't play, this game won't be close. But even if Tanner McKee plays, I don't think it'll be close at all. Uh, I think there's a reason Stanford is uh, favored by almost eight points. Uh, I have – excuse me, not Stanford. Utah is favored by eight points. I have Utah winning 38-24, and that's assuming Tanner McKee plays. I think it could be – even worse in terms of Stanford's offensive production if he doesn't. Uh, Stanford's just – it's not looking good for them in in terms of this season, obviously. But, you know, for the future, you kind of really wonder, like, what is their direction? Uh, They have some talented young players, but they still need an identity. They've lost their power run, like, identity that they had years ago, and now they're still trying to find it, and their offensive line isn't nearly as good as it was. They're – they lose the battles in the trenches, which is very un-Stanford-like. So we'll see where they continue to grow. Next game on the docket is ugly football. Um, one in yes. which I'm sure the conference is happy that they are broadcasting and most of the country will not be able to watch. That is three and 3-5 California hitting the road to winless 0-8 Arizona, 12 p.m. on Saturday on the Pac-12 Networks. This tells you how bad 
Arizona is because Cal is not a good football team, and they are favored on the road by 12 points. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much to say about this game. Um, like, why should I? I guess Garbers is a solid quarterback. Um, I guess Damian Moore is a solid running back for Cal. Um, Arizona, who is their quarterback? They've gone through like four of them because they've all gotten hurt or replaced. Um, there's not much time that we need to spend on this one. I'm going to take Cal to cover. They are going to improve the four and five. And it's it's going to be one of these games where it's just going to be funky. There's going to be weird things that happen. We're going to get a weird score. So Oregon 33, or Cal 33, Arizona 17. Cal's been playing a little better of late. You know, since that loss to Oregon, they've won a few games. Um, even in their loss to Oregon, it was a one-score game. Their loss to Washington was a one-score game. Their loss to Washington State was the most lopsided, the only one they really weren't in. It was a 15-point loss. Um, so I give Cal credit to being competitive. Um, I also give Arizona a little credit for being feistier than most teams have thought sure. this year. Oh, yeah. Like, they challenged Oregon a little more than people expected. They played consecutive games now to Washington and USC that were one-score games. Um, Washington one was one they really could have won. USC is kind of a window-dressing kind of game because they were really down most of the way and scored a couple of late touchdowns. Um, I actually think Cal wins pretty decisively, but I'm saying not a cover. Give me Arizona to get 27 points in this one. I go Cal 37, Arizona 27. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Uh, I have Kyle winning 34 to 24, but I do have Arizona covering. And good teams win, but great teams cover. So we'll go with Arizona this week to be a great team. Uh, I think this game will be – it's a good thing. First, let me say it's a good thing it is not nationally broadcasted. <laughs> but I think for those of you who would choose to watch this game, which would not be my number one option, um, I think it will be like mildly competitive – for some reason, uh, Arizona actually played USC very well in the second half. It just you know, they had a pretty decent first half deficit, so they never really got back into it. But you know, Cal's coming off a nice win against Oregon State, something that I don't think any of us really saw coming. Um, kind of a collapse by the Beavers, which was unfortunate. But I don't know. This one could be fun, or it could be a total Cal blowout, and Arizona's uh, Jake Plummer gets hurt, and then they go to their walk-on quarterbacks. So. I don't know. We'll see. So Cal, 34, Arizona, 24. You mean Will Plummer, not Jake Plummer? Yes. Jake <laughs> Jake might be an upgrade as a 48-year-old uh, former NFL. IP. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apologies. Quick question. Cal has won, like I said, two in a row. Yeah. They beat Arizona. That's four and five. And they have USC, Stanford, UCLA. Mm. And they get to a bowl game. I like the question. I was looking at their schedule thinking the same thing. They were so down this whole year, and it's like it kind of, kind of feels semi-likely it happens. Um, they have a really easy schedule on the back end there. I mean, I don't think people thought it would be based upon how those teams started. Like those L.A. schools both felt like for sure a lot. I mean, Chip Kelly might be fired by the time they play UCLA. True. I, I'm going to lean I'm gonna lean with they do get to bowl eligibility and that they win one of those. I mean, I think they're – they're going to obviously be – who was the other team in the schedule? I'm forgetting. Was it Colorado? 
Uh, no, they they will play Arizona this weekend, and then yeah. they go out home against USC, and then they hit the road for the last two at Stanford at UCLA. I think they'll beat Stanford. I think they'll win one of the LA games. I think they'll win this week. I think they'll go six and six. You think they'll win one of the LA games? Kind of. Why not? Sure. Why not? Honestly, it's the Pac-12. I mean, USC is a right They could go four and zero. Oh. Who knows? I, Garber's by Garber's by the way, legitimately like this is a sad state of affairs. Like, where is he on the quarterback hierarchy oh, in the no. conference? Pull up the stats. He's, he's like he's, he's actually one of the better quarterbacks statistically. And he played pretty well against the Beavers. Who's brother? Who, who's better, Chase or Ethan? Ethan will be better by the time. <laughs> you, I think Ethan will end up having a better career, like better highs. But right now, I think it's the older brother. I don't know. There's a lot uh, of count. We'll find out later in the, the year, docket. maybe. Who knows? Next game on the docket is uh, another Pac-12 slate, Saturday at 4 p.m. Oregon State, who's five and three, going on the road at at Colorado, who's two and six. The Beavs are still looking for that elusive sixth win of the year to become bowl eligible. I couldn't even tell you the last time Oregon State made a bowl game. It feels that that long. Um, it's got to be like 2015 or 14, 13. I, I don't have an – I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's that. It's that, it's that long. Um, I think they get off the snide. They get their win. Um this should be their seventh win of the season because what they did at Cal last week was inexcusable. And, and that's kind of what's going to be that rung of college football that they have to jump the next tier, you know, because when, when you're a team that wins eight games or nine games, you don't lose that game at Cal in the manner in which that they did. Um, maybe you lose in just an epic shootout and, you know, some of your guys get hurt or what have you. But to play so poorly from the start is disappointing. I mean, they, they turn the ball over, I think, on the first play of the game. Um, but I think they kind of right their wrongs here a little bit. They go to Colorado. They get a good win. It's going to be close. It's I don't think Oregon State's going to cover 10 and a half. Um, I, I think Colorado has a solid defense. Um and even though we just saw Oregon just torch them. Um, but I, I just think this Beaver team will finally do it. Uh, B.J. Baylor will be the reason why. Um, I think he's going to have a huge game. Give me Oregon State winning this one 32-24. I just looked it up for uh, from an Oregon State perspective. The last bowl game was the 2013 Hawaii Bowl. Mike Rice was the head coach. Mm. Mike Riley was the head coach of that that team, and they won. They won that football game. Heck of a year. Um, there's your Oregon State bowl eligibility update. So it would be the first time in almost a full decade, eight years, a long time. Um, I think they get there too. I, 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 I'm going to guess this is probably a consensus or close to one here. If they lose this game, I legit start worrying about do they get to bowl eligibility? This is totally explode. Yeah. Um, we've been, I think, very complimentary of Oregon State's team throughout this year because they've had some really impressive moments. I think the thing that's been notable is they just don't play well after the big win. They beat, you know, they beat Washington and they turn around and lose to Washington state. They beat Utah then lost to Cal. Both of those were games. We didn't even really consider the upset for, I think we were consensus um, for Oregon state to win and probably cover. I'd have to go back and look. Um, Colorado does not have Nate Landman. 
Um, according to Carl Durrell, he's doubtful to play. We just saw this Colorado defense not look good at all with uh, Nate Landman out of the lineup. So I, I do think mm-hmm. Oregon State scores pretty well. Oregon State offensively is is one of the, I don't know, three or four best offenses, at least statistically, an upper echelon offense in the conference, which probably tells you all you need to know about the conference. Um, I go Oregon State 41, Colorado 24. I think they do cover and they get to bowl eligibility. And that potentially – and honestly, this is the result Oregon needs. They have to have Oregon State at least at seven, maybe eight wins or something like that going into that game later this year. Like if, if Oregon State is still at five or just at six wins going into that rivalry game around Thanksgiving, I think that's really bad because Oregon really needs that game to at least be kind of somewhat significant given what – because Ohio State's finishing their season with a game with Michigan, I think, and – yeah, for Oregon to beat a team that no one thinks is any good at all. Meanwhile, Ohio State goes out and maybe blasts their rival. So I'll go 17 point win for the Beavers. What was your score? 41 24. This is a weird one. Um, mostly because Oregon State stinks on the road. Yeah. For whatever reason, they've lost their last two road games. Obviously, they beat the ever, you know, the daylight out of USC earlier in the year. But they've you know lost to Purdue to open the season on the road. They've lost to Cal last week. They lost to Washington State on the road. Their offense just doesn't seem to come on the road for some reason. Like twenty five points against Cal and twenty four points against Washington State. Um, that being said, they've been very up and down in terms of their offense consistency the last three weeks. Twenty four points, forty two points, twenty five points. Maybe it finds a way this week. Uh, I I really think that this is going to be a close game in the first half. But no Nate Landman is going to be huge for Oregon State's rushing offense. Um, I think they could, I don't know, they, if, they, if they really find a groove, I think they might get close to 300 yards on the ground because Oregon, with Byron Cardwell, just kind of torched Colorado's defense up the middle and Oregon's offensive line, I, I think is better than Oregon State's, but I think Oregon State has a great rushing offense in their own right. Uh, I think it'll be close in the first half, but I think Oregon State's, going to cover. I've got them winning 34 to 17. And Colorado is just uh, their offense was was pretty pretty good actually I felt against Oregon, but I don't know, that could have been a game where they just, you know, stepped up for the moment because they were playing the number 7 team in the country. We'll see how they do against Oregon State. I'm not too confident in it. Next game on the schedule um, is the late game in the conference, that's USC, who's 4-4, four and four, at Arizona State, who's 5-3. and three. 7.30 kick on ESPN. Sun Devils are an 8.5-point favorite. And I'll be honest, seeing how poorly ASU played last week against Washington State, I'm surprised that they are favored by this much. Mm-hmm. Um, even mm-hmm. though USC is not good, even though USC struggled to put away um, Arizona last week, even though Drake London is out for the year, the nation's best receiver in college football um, with an injury. I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's at eight and a half. That being said, I'm going to pick ASU to win this and the cover. Um, I'm not very confident in it, but how is USC going to handle their best player? They're basically their offense being lost for the year due to injury. Um, there's a lot of negativity around the Trojan program right now, just because of 
the state of the program. Um, I think ASU has by far the better players. They're just so widely inconsistent, and they're also not really well coached this year. Um, that could be because they have like three or four coaches who are on paid leave because of that NCAA investigation. That, that certainly probably could be a part to it. Um, but I don't have a, a lot of confidence in this one. I think they have the best players, though. Um, they were embarrassed. I think there's going to be maybe some revenge taken out on in USC because of that. Uh, so give me give me Arizona State winning this football game 32 to 20 um, over USC. It's a really weird game. Like, I, I, can I just say the Pac-12 South is basically burning? Like, I don't know what to make of really any of these teams. Like, I, I'm convincing myself Utah's pretty good, and they're doing most weeks enough to kind of back that idea up. But everyone else kind of just is a mess. And what is that? No. I, I, I guess I just feel like because of that, I'm expecting a really weird game. Um, and I pick, I'm picking USC to win. I think they don't really know who their quarterback is, which is not a good thing. But I'm going to make a weird prediction here based on the fact that they haven't said who the starter is. I think Jackson Dart gets the start. And even without Drake London, they've got a lot of talent at receiver. You know, Mm -hmm. they've got very high-end talent on offense at a couple of positions. It's just they don't have much talent at other spots. And their defense is pretty miserable. Arizona State... Why, why do I have confidence they're going to play well? The second half against you know the second half against Utah was embarrassing. They got boat raced the entire game with Washington State after a bye week was embarrassing. I just kind of think they might be in total tumble mode. So I'm going a weird, really weird game. Jackson Dart is the quarterback. He has his big game. Everybody gets on the Jackson Dart uh, bandwagon, and then in about 12 months. There's more quarterback controversy for the Trojans because some other backup quarterback is suddenly good, and Jackson Dart transfers just because that's what happens every freaking year. <laughs> you know? and this is what this is what this is the rotating circle of hey, it's JT Daniels. Oh, never mind. Keaton Slovis is amazing. Well, actually, Keaton Slovis sucks. Oh, JT, Jackson Dart's great. Oh, maybe Jackson Dart's not that great. Let's bring in whoever the next guy is, and everybody gets excited for a couple of weeks. So I have USC 41 38. I think it's going to be a really weird game. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to maybe end on like just a Jackson Dart like seventy-five-yard touchdown heave at the buzzer, and it's just like a. Of course, that's what how it happened. And and mind you, last year's twenty twenty game between these two schools, Arizona State totally collapsed and blew a really weird game. So it's not totally out of the realm of possibility we see it again. USC has won five of seven in this rivalry. This is a, this is an annoying one. Yeah. <laughs> I look at this game and all I can say is like, what could have been? Because going into the year, this one looked like the game that would maybe have a huge factor in deciding the Pac-12 South. USC was ranked, ASU had been ranked for most of the season this year. It's Now it's like both these teams are just in turmoil right now. But that being said, I have USC winning. I, I don't know, but I don't know what it is. I have just zero confidence in ASU. Uh, they are not a great defense. I think their their defensive stats in the beginning of the season were a little, you know, kind of not lying, but they weren't exactly what they seemed. 
I think USC still has enough firepower to basically compete with, I don't know, anybody in the Pac-12 at least. They still, you know, Jackson Dart, I'm a huge fan of, even though he's only played, you know, a handful of games. Um, I do agree with Eric. I do think he'll get the start on Saturday. And I think that could give the USC offense a little more juice. Uh, no Drake London stinks. He's a blast to watch. He's probably the best player in the Pac-12, I'd go out on a limb to say. And on offense but, or in general, in offense or in general, because you're going to say pure better talent, than, better than KT, pure talent on offense. I don't okay, think anybody right. compares. Right. KT is, you know, best player in the country type deal. Yeah, but you're enough. I've also been pleasantly surprised with USC's running game the last couple of weeks. Keontae Ingram's actually done pretty well, and which is very strange. And Graham Harrell's whatever it is, offense, run and gun, <laughs> air raid. It's, it's <laughs> like a mix of so many things. But I think the key thing in this battle is actually going to be USC's defense. Todd Orlando runs a really aggressive defense. Jaden Daniels and ASU like to turn – well, they don't like to, but they do seemingly like to turn the ball over. They had five in the first half against Washington State last week. I think they're, they're in for two or three more. I think this is just going to be a game where it seems like a lot of mayhem is going to happen. Where it's going to be almost like a tennis match where you're watching one dude run down the field and then you look back and the other team's dude is running down the field. That being said, USC wins 42-35. Fight on. Fight on. <laughs> Fair. That would be not good for the conference. They need – when, when does anything that goes well for the conference <laughs> actually happen? <laughs> so <laughs> – Something is going to happen. Arizona State winning would be better for everybody involved besides people in LA, but it just feels like we're destined for bad stuff to happen because that's that's the conference. I don't know. (laughs) Across the country, this is kind of a weird week. Um, There's some big name games, Mm. uh, but there also are a lack of you know pivotal top twenty-five matchups. Um, it feels very strange to me that LSU Alabama is playing, and this doesn't feel like the, the third best game of the year of the week. Like, yeah, Alabama feels like they're gonna they're gonna win by forty. Um, just speaks volumes to where LSU is at right now. Um, I'm gonna keep my eye a little bit in the morning or early afternoon in. Uh, College Station, see what Texas A&M, Auburn do, you know, 12 versus 13. I think that's an important game. But both those two teams have two losses, so they're out of the college football playoff. Um, Oregon fan needs to be rooting extremely hard for Purdue, and this is going to be my upset. Um, Purdue is 5-3, and three, and they have a win over Oregon State on, under their belt. They played Notre Dame tough. Mm-hmm. They have a win over Iowa, uh, and they just come off. They're just coming off a win um, on the road at Nebraska, twenty-eight to twenty-three. Purdue is only a three-point underdog at home. Michigan State is fifth in the country. They just won a huge game against Michigan the previous week. They've got Ohio State. And Penn State left on the schedule. 
I think this might be a little bit of a trap game. People might look at that Maryland game for Purdue and say that's the trap game, but I think Purdue's a better team. And if Michigan, Oregon needs Michigan State to lose because the, the league, the, the Ducks need the Big Ten to have their undefeated teams drop a game. And they need to have, or I guess Michigan State's the only undefeated team left, but. They, they need their top teams to drop another one. Ohio State losing one more eliminates the Oregon versus Ohio State discussion. Michigan State losing a game eliminates them from the college football playoff more than likely. Um, so give me the upset. I, I'm going to call it. I think Purdue wins this one. Just feels like one of those teams where they win a huge emotional game and the next week they have a letdown. One of the it's one of the ones I was looking at really closely. I won't. I'll let you have it. I'm gonna go with one that I feel really stupid for making because I think I just picked the same team to pull an upset last week, and then they kind of face planted and didn't really do it. So Wake Forest is gonna lose to North Carolina on the road. North Carolina. This is one of those blow your brain things where North Carolina is is their Wake Forest is the number ten ranked team in the country, Jared. They haven't lost all year, and they're a three point underdog. Uh, uh, here it is again. At North Carolina, it's, it's it's your favorite it's your favorite part of the show where Jared goes what how but that team's why are they what um, ultimately this one probably doesn't help Oregon as much as obviously Michigan State but Wake Forest being undefeated and having an ACC team looming undefeated and like say they did run the table would at least be in the conversation I don't even know if an undefeated Wake Forest gets in over a one loss Oregon I would say they shouldn't based upon who they would have beaten to do that. There's not a really impressive team in that conference, but I will I will say they don't get there and it's and they lose this week to North Carolina. Who, if North Carolina loses this game, where were they preseason? They were like top ten, top twelve. Yeah. Like, what a disaster mm-hmm. that's been for Mac Brown in Chapel Hill. Um, if they don't pull this one out, so I I I, I mean this season's been really funky for them. I, they have to win one of these. They have all these big games, quote unquote. They haven't really been able to win any of them, but I think they do this week and they knock off Wake Forest. All right, I am going on quite the limb here. Ooh, Georgia? Yeah, we. No, 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 no. This is Don't like break it. quite. Oh, it'll it'll break. No, no, no. <laughs> I want everybody. If you have you know five dollars to waste, maybe throw a parlay together with Navy over Notre Dame. Navy plus twenty and a half. This is one of those games where Notre Dame is. You know, fighting for college football playoff contention. They are 7-1 in the season. They are 8th in the country. This is one of those games where Navy, with their wing T offense, where they are only going to run the rock, might pull off an upset. Okay. Navy has played SMU and Cincinnati really close this year. They lost by 7 points in each of those games. Against Cincinnati, Cincinnati had – a decent lead at halftime, but then Navy scores 10 points in the fourth quarter and loses on the final possession. They Their time of possession, Navy had the ball for nearly 40 minutes. Cincinnati had the ball for 20 minutes. This Notre Dame offense isn't great at just scoring like quick scores, which is what you really need to beat a team like our Army, Navy, whatever it is, who run the wing tee. That being said, I don't expect this to happen, but it's a 12-30 12:30 Pacific Standard, uh, 12:30 Eastern Standard Time game on NBC. Notre Dame has to get up for this game. 
I don't know. This uh, I, I picked Notre Dame to lose last week. This might just be a uh, I don't like a, I don't like Notre Dame thing, which is true. But we'll see. I, I I'm going very much out on the limb. I don't expect this to happen, but <laughs> it helps. It helps Oregon because Notre Dame just has the Notre Dame effect. So if they win out the rest of the year, they're going to be you know ten and eleven and one, ten and one, and everybody will say, oh, why didn't Notre Dame get into contention because. You know, their only loss was to Cincinnati this year. So, yeah, Navy over Notre Dame. To actually win or just to cover? Because it's 20 and a half, so I could I could get on board with the cover not happening for Notre Dame. But I don't know. I think I, I, we have to pick an upset. We're, I'm picking my upset. It's Navy over Notre Dame. All right. And when, they, just... when they win seven to four somehow, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, two, two safeties. safeties. <laughs> I think that's the only way to get to four. I'm, I'm looking through here. There's really, I mean, it's a tough slate. How about it's Liberty? How about Liberty over Ole Miss as kind of an interesting one? That'd be fun. Ole Miss is out, but just just as a top twenty, I'm just looking at the top twenty-five of teams that like maybe are susceptible. Um, OK State at West Virginia, maybe that's one. Maybe I like Gary, that one too. Maybe Gary Patterson, after announcing his retirement, gets the, the troops get fired up and pull off an upset against Baylor. Here's an upset Oregon doesn't want. Yeah, I know where you're going with that. Fresno State at home to Boise State. That would be bad. Is that an upset? What's like um, Boise yeah, State? I don't. I don't obviously. Fresno, Fresno is right. a five point favorite, yeah. seven and two overall. Boise is four and four on the year. Um, this is Oregon needs to be putting out a marketing plan for the Fresno State Bulldogs because they are currently ranked in the top 25. And this is an AP win that they can claim. And every win that they get moving forward is going to be more beneficial for Oregon. And if Fresno State can win the Mountain West Conference and finish the year, I think, 11 and two, or it would be 12 and 12 and two. I think they play a conference championship game and they played 13 games this year. I think um, this would be huge for them to be able to say that they have a win at Ohio state. And then they have a win over the mountain West conference champion. And let's remember that earlier in the year, we were joking about how the mountain West was kind of beating up on the pac 12. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a top 10 win, but Fresno State keeps winning. They have they have games against Boise State, New Mexico, and San Jose State, and if they win their conference championship game, they they could be a top 15-ish, top 20 team in the country at the mm-hmm. end of the year. I was just going to say, like, maybe top 15, like 15 to 17, maybe yeah. the range for if they were to win out where they could be. Um, depending on other stuff happens. And again, Oregon really needs that because aside from the Ohio State win, there's no guarantee they're going to have another team that's even in these college football playoff top 25 going forward. Like you really, best case would be Utah just beating everybody and losing to Oregon. And again, Utah's a pretty favorable schedule. You look at it, they play Colorado, Arizona. Um, they have the, the remaining Pac-12 South opponents that they have. And then Stanford this week. Like I think it's pretty likely Utah wins out aside from that Oregon game. And if that is an, if that's a thing where Utah is nine and three, or sorry, they'd be I guess eight and four at the end of the regular season. Um, 
that's at least better than how this could go, where if they were to drop another random game here, you're looking at it and it's like, like you, this is what you don't want if you're Oregon, is the Pac-12 South champion to be like a seven-win team at the end yeah. of the season. And it's not totally impossible that that happens. So go Utes and go Fresno State. I feel like it's almost probable that a team from the Pac-12 South, wherever it is, that wins will be at seven and five. It's every week they seem to just beat up on each other. Utah's the only hope because Utah should beat Stanford and they should beat Colorado and they should beat Arizona. If they win yes. those games, then they're going to be an eight-win team, assuming Oregon beats them head-to-head in Salt Lake. That would be that right there is is very much optimal. That needs to happen. Like Oregon should be rooting for Utah really hard from here on out, except for on November twentieth. Twentieth. I was going to say I can't remember the exact date. It was nineteenth or twentieth. Yeah, that's the one where. Obviously, obviously, Oregon's rooting for Utah to lose that game. But other than that, big <laughs> be Ute, weird if they didn't. Big Ute fans. Um, the rest of the regular season because those you can't have them stub their toe because those are bad opponents they're losing to, and you want that Utah win to be magnified. And it, I think the thing that sucks with Utah is, let's say they do this, they're two. They would be one loss in Pac-12, but they lost those two darn games to the Mountain West, which right. is brutal. Or I should say two losses in the Pac-12, but that's just brutal that they lost to San Diego State and. BYU, who I know are, are both good teams based upon record, but gosh, the conference could not. If the, again, if the Pac-12 self champion is 0-2 against the Mountain West, that sucks for like. Oof, that's just bad. Be better. It is. Well, I mean, it's just kind of I don't know. It's how the Pac-12 has been this year. It's not like this in years prior. But Washington losing to Montana, uh, all the all the Mountain West teams winning. BYU has. What three wins in the Pac-12? Four wins in the Pac-12? Three right now. They have a fourth game with I think Stanford coming up later. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those years, but it's, I mean, Oregon continues to win, so I guess that's good for them. It is good for them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's gonna do it for us here on this edition of the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show, and uh, keep your eyes out for the next podcast later this week uh, as we bring on a guest to get you ready for this weekend's game up at Washington. Until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you there, folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.